All right, hello everyone and welcome to the False Nines. I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside uh, my friend Adam Goffin, and we have a special guest for this special episode for you today. So uh, dropped our typical bi-weekly episode two days ago on Thursday. Uh, it's now Saturday and we have Saul Garcia from Bitter and Blue. So Saul, wanna introduce yourself to the False Nines faithful? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me guys, Zach, Adam. Uh, I write for the Bitter and Blue site, the SB Nation uh, soccer site. I'm their managing, co-managing editor. I also do the social media and a couple writing stuff. So happy to be here. Cool. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, welcome. Happy to have you on. And so uh, the special episode coming uh, just one day before the uh, quarterfinal fixture between Manchester City and uh, Adam and my beloved Newcastle United. Farthest Newcastle has gotten in a tournament in what seems like 60 or 70 years. So uh, a quarterfinal is essentially a final for us. Um, and yeah, we really just, uh, I, I was interested in, in getting Saul on today as, as, as he mentioned, a co-editor and, and manager of the, the Bitter and Blue site. Uh, would just love to get some perspective kind of coming from that, that other side, a club that is really every year in the past eight or nine years, it seems like striving to win uh, essentially any trophy. So yeah, just really, really excited to hear that perspective versus us lowly Newcastle fans who are taking the scraps that fall off the table. Yeah, it's been a, a minute since you guys have done, well, anything. I don't know when the last time you guys won a cup is, but Adam, do you want to won. Let's not talk about it, Saul. It's, uh, it's, it's been <laughs> over 60 years, so we don't want to <laughs> <laughs> dwell on that subject too long. Yeah, I was looking after today's game. We won eight of the last nine domestic cups, so it's been a good stretch for City. Yeah, for sure. Stretch. Yeah, City, City's, uh, City's Premier League hopes dying a couple of days ago, but still still a, a team that could win the treble this season, which I think speaks a lot about. Yeah, which is that's insane. They can win a, a different kind of treble, but treble nonetheless. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to know your perspective on that because I think we've talked about this on our podcast a bunch of times from a Liverpool perspective. Um, the most important thing in the world for them was to, to win the Premier League and they, they've now done that. Um, but from a City perspective, you guys have had plenty of league success in recent years. Where do you kind of stack rank the trophies right now? Like is the, I would imagine just as an outsider, the, the holy grail for you guys would be the Champions League. At this point, is that a fair statement to make? Yeah, I think that would be completely fair. Uh, Pep is better to win everything, but especially that Champions League, no matter what other City fans say. Uh, <laughs> I know that uh, winning domestic title every season, you win at least one with Pep, so uh, he was brought in to win the Champions League, and that's what he needs to deliver on. It's what, what's missing from us. Same as it was with Chelsea all those years ago, now it's with City. Uh, they need to get that uh, UCL win. And how do, you, how do you feel their prospects are? I know there's a couple of injuries now. Guerrero's picked up a knock. Um, those games aren't obviously happening until after the Premier League season concludes. So there's some time to get them back. But how confident are you that this, this could be City's year in the Champions League specifically? I think they have a great chance, you know. Uh, they, the leaky part is the defense that hasn't been the strongest suit that City has. But they're also dominating most games and they can put most teams away pretty early. Uh, they already beat Madrid in Madrid, so they took care of the, the more difficult part. And now uh, having them come to the Etihad, it should be a, a great game. But they also don't have Ramos, Sergio Ramos. We don't have Aguero, but I think it should cancel out. And City should progress at least to the final. Yeah. 
who would you be hoping to get um, if City were to progress past Real Madrid in this round? Uh, I think anyone but Bayern, because Bayern has speed to kill, especially with the Alfonso Davies, and that's one of City's uh, deficiencies, the speed. Like we saw a couple of days ago with Pulisic, he ripped through that after that error and he scored. And Davies, they have Coleman, they have so many fast players, anybody but Munich. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a very very fair shout, and we will assuming uh, well we will prior to the second leg of the uh, round of sixteen we will find out exactly how that uh, that bracket will be structured. So City will know their you know potential opponents if they were able to get past Madrid. Um, but yeah, I think that's a very good shout. I, I do speaking to that point though to kind of play devil's advocate. I think that. The, the three-month break and then the concurrent return of Imeric Laporte is a huge, huge plus for City. I think Laporte has been, in a way, kind of uh, under uh, underappreciated in just, you know, the, the fact that there are so many stars on that team. But I think he's one of the most valuable players on that side. So I, I know you're, you were probably delighted to have him back, coming back into Project Restart. Yeah, 100%. Uh, he was gone for pretty much those first five months, and that really – set us back from Liverpool and we pretty much had no chance as of January. And that was mostly due to the poor and not signing a replacement for company. And that was think, also massive, maybe equally so. That, that, that actually surprised me. Zach and I talked about this previously. Um, it really showed a lack of strength in depth at center back that City had when Laporte was out. And, you know, you're, you're throwing in makeshift center backs in Fernandinho and bringing him back there. Um, for a team that has pretty much unlimited resources in terms of financial backing, were you a bit disappointed as a City fan that you didn't have as much strength and depth in that position and, and had to concede so early to Liverpool? Yeah, completely. Uh, I think we're not replacing companies probably the biggest mistake City made this season. Uh, then, like a couple of weeks ago, or like last week, they had to play Eric Garcia, who just turned 19, and he's one of our... Uh, best center backs now because Otamendi's a mistake prone. Fernandinho's getting up there in age as the Chelsea game showed. And now that's why the hope is for this summer, maybe you can get somebody like Koulibaly, somebody of that ilk. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. When you think about just the the quality of player that City can attract, I think, you know, it was surprising to me to see that they, they didn't have a lot of great cover there. Um, and, and to your point about Vincent Kompany, I think not just a great defender, but a great leader on the field. I think y'all have, uh, in my opinion, at least as a non, non-City fan, I feel like you've been missing a little bit of leadership on the field this season since since Kompany has left. And wh- where would you say the the biggest hope is for City as far as like leadership on the field with the, with the current squad? Well, company leaving that big hole, he kind of lost vocal leadership, which is uh, really important, especially on the field. Fernandinho is more of a quiet, laid-back type of guy. Now you're uh, counting on players like Mares, players like Sterling, players like uh, Kevin De Bruyne. They're a little bit more quiet. They're not the rah-rah company guy, but you're uh, hoping that they can uh, emulate him between all three of them. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great shout. I, I do see this interesting theme of, of, like you said, that kind of reserved leader. I think that that's one of Kevin De Bruyne's most uh, almost famous characteristics is how, how reserved he is. I, I know I've read a number of interviews and he, he wrote a great piece in the players tribune last year about his mm-hmm. kind of personality and his, you know, his, his I, I guess you could say inability to be that vocal leader, or maybe more so uh, not a, a lack of desire to do so. Um, but I, yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how that team progresses. You know, you have 
players um, that that are coming up through the ranks that are showing uh, a lot of of potential. And I, I do think that obviously the 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 future is bright for a team of Manchester City's you know uh, supreme power and influence. But um, kind of transitioning, I guess. Uh, hopefully, it, for Adam and I, this weekend is not one of showing off the shiny. Uh, tools and uh, pieces that Manchester City has as uh, the citizens will be traveling north to Newcastle, although not the, you know, not the fortress that St. James's Park was, once was when people were sitting in the seats. But um, looking at the current Manchester City lineup and um, Thursday, I think the big news from Newcastle's perspective was that red card to Fernandinho, which does rule him out of the FA Cup quarterfinal. So, I'll ask you this all with the uh, with the Premier League now officially wrapped up and Champions League football not returning for uh, over a month. Um, are you expecting to see pretty much the same lineup uh, on Sunday that you did this Thursday? Uh, actually, I think Pep's going to go with a bit of a mix. Uh, the other couple games against Sheffield and Fulham, he's played a lot of youth, so maybe you see guys like Garcia coming back from he was hit a couple weeks ago by Ederson, punched him in the head. He mm-hmm. should be ready to go just about. They also have Harwood, Harwood Billis, who's a center back. Tommy Doyle, who's also an academy product. I think two or three of those guys should be able to play. Uh, and then the usual suspects, you know, you got Mares, uh, probably Sterling. I think Gabe Jesus will probably start uh, since he didn't see much. He saw, give or take, like a half on Thursday against Chelsea. So I think uh, with that team should be enough to go up to Newcastle and get a result. Fair enough. I, I think that the the player that I'm most concerned about right now, especially considering uh, kind of certain momentum and then also looking at Newcastle's uh, weaknesses, uh, Phil Foden, who is the man of the moment, I think, in Manchester. Uh, two goals in the win over uh, Burnley and has just gone from strength to strength to strength and really getting, getting praises abound from Pep Guardiola. I know that earlier this week, Pep said that he is really the the perfect replacement in his mind to David Silva. David Silva, who will be, it seems like, definitely leaving this summer, going to Qatar, it sounds like. Um, yeah, and, Qatar, more than likely, yeah. But, but Foden is stepping in and at a young age, playing with a lot of confidence, and he might be that leader that we were kind of alluding to earlier. So is if you had to pick out one or two players that you think could be the difference maker on Sunday, is he one of them or are there other people you're thinking of as well? Uh, he would be. He's injured. He picked up a knock today, so he's probably out for maybe a week or two. Oh, is he? Uh, okay. And, mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he probably won't play Sunday. He might. He might make a a flash appearance there near the end of the game, but I don't think he's starting. Uh, if you he see our play, eyes lighting up right now, right, when you're telling us that news? <laughs> yeah. yeah, if he didn't play any minutes uh, against Chelsea, I don't see how he starts Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, uh, Mares has been incredible since the restart. Yep. Uh, he had that individual goal against Burnley Monday, which was great. Uh, yeah, I think Mars is probably the guy, the difference maker for Sunday. Speaking of difference makers, Solid, I'd ask you this. Um, Newcastle, obviously, and, and Manchester City are at two different kind of levels of, of team in the Premier League. But on any given Sunday, right, anybody anybody can beat anybody else. And we, we proved earlier in the season with a 2-2 draw that we were able to just about hang. Um, who are some of the players on the Newcastle team that you're particularly worried about as a City fan? Uh, I think Almiron. I'm big MLS fan also being uh, here in the States. Uh, Almiron is just fantastic for Newcastle this last, since the restart, really. 
Uh, he's also been fantastic with uh, St. Maxim, Alan St. Maxim. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know him from the Gucci headband from FIFA. Fun guy. <laughs> he seems like a really fun player. And those two guys, they're they're quick. And that's what City have a real trouble with, especially with the if they decide to play uh, Otamendi, who's very uh, mistake-prone. Uh, that could uh, really hurt us. Okay. Um, I'd ask you another question just about um, City's lineup specifically. I've been critical in the past of Ederson. Um, I've thought that he's been an overrated keeper. Um, there were conversations a season or two ago about him and Allison being like two of the best um, in the league. He made a pretty high profile mistake against Manchester United that all but cost you guys the game recently. Um, as a City fan, how do you feel about Ederson? And do you think he's the right sort of goalkeeper that can take you forward this, this next five plus years? Yeah, you're not the only one. A lot of City uh, Twitter has the same mixed opinions of him. Uh, he does have to be more sure on the ball, more uh, accurate when he comes out. He already knocked out Eric Garcia, who's probably going to start most of the games at center back for us, and he's been out the last couple games. Uh, but I think Ederson and Allison are, are right there for the best uh, keeper in the Premier League. They both are mistake-prone, which is uh, seems to be a trend in the Premier League with Kepa from Chelsea and De Gea from United. Uh, they always have those little mistakes, and it's kind of that the – the saves that Ederson made against Chelsea that pretty much kept them in the game is what, what's going to be needed against uh, Newcastle Sunday. I think that's a great shout. Uh, I think we, we can all maybe take a, take a quick second and laugh about the statement that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer made earlier this week, saying that David De Gea in his mind is by far and away the best goalkeeper in the world. And pretty much everybody across the board responding, he might not even be a top three goalkeeper in the Premier League. <laughs> Allison, yeah. Ederson. Dean, yeah. Dean Henderson, I think, should absolutely be in that conversation based on this year's, uh, this year's performance as well. But Yeah, Henderson's uh, been lights out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, put the team where, where they have been. We, we saw, you know, Sheffield United's ineptitudes without him against Manchester United. Uh, yeah. but, but, going back to, but going back to City, I, I think that, as Adam kind of alluded to earlier, you know, a big thing that's so impressive about the club is the ability that Pep has to effectively – rotate and effectively kind of change up formation. So, so do you think that, uh, I know you mentioned Eric Garcia potentially coming in at center back um, paired with Otamendi, or do you think Kyle Walker might be slotted in there as well? He's played as a center back on numerous occasions. Yeah. He's played goalkeeper on occasion too, uh, but yeah. I think it'll be <laughs> Laporte. It'll probably be Laporte and Garcia uh, without yeah. Fernandinho. I don't think Otamendi, he, he might put Otamendi actually because Laporte came out, right around 70 minutes against Chelsea. That was a little concerning. Uh, but I think Garcia and, and Laporte would be the pair for Sunday. Hmm. Okay, and what about what about in the center of midfield? That's another area that, although now that Fernandinho will be out, uh, you, you still do have a wealth of depth there. So how, do, how would you predict they're lining up in the middle of the park? Yeah, Pep loves Gundogan, LK Gundogan. I don't know. City Twitter is equally divided, maybe more, probably the most divided on him as a player. Uh, but it, it's Gundogan's midfield. Him and Rodri will probably start again. Yeah. Uh, even though that every game that Gundogan and Rodri have started, they've lost. So that might not bode well. But Really? Oh. Uh, and KDB, Ke- Kevin De Bruyne is the other guy. Uh, I think Bernardo will probably play in the wing, so that takes care of him. And that'll probably be the midfield. Mm. Yeah, uh, KDB's, as I mentioned to you right before we started recording, KDB's free kick today, just reminding everybody that he is, you know, even after a three-month break, he is 
uh, the best player in the Premier League, um, if not the best center midfielder in the entire world right now. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, definitely a lot of potency and attack. Um, I, I guess winding back the clock to that 2-2 draw that we had at St. James's Park uh, back in the fall, uh, were there any th- certain things that you remember, Saul, as kind of, you know, maybe mental notes that you took as frustrations with that performance? Obviously, the big thing everyone remembers is the Kevin De Bruyne goal and then actually the John Joe Shelby volley that followed. Um, but was there anything that worried you there or anything that you think that uh, kind of Manchester City needs to tighten up if we're just looking at that other performance away at Newcastle? Yeah, I think uh, the mistakes uh, that the defenses make, they're not like uh, big, uh, huge ones, but uh, what Newcastle have that I think is uh, the speed again is what uh, really separates them from from other teams. They have those two guys down the wings. Uh, I can't remember if they both played that game, but Having Shel- Shelby, is that his name, Shelby? Mm-hmm. Yeah, having him there with the uh, has been really good for you guys. Uh, I think that world year that he scored, if uh, anything similar happens again, I don't know if City are going to have the, the will to be able to come back from that. Definitely. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. I mean, if somebody scores a goal of that nature in any game, it's going to be tough to come back yeah. from. And obviously, in that same sense, you can't really – can't really expect John Joe Shelby to do that, even though he is in a crazy way our top scorer this season, which just speaks to the complete lack of goals in the Newcastle side. Uh, Adam, I know you had a number of uh, kind of, I guess you could say trivia Manchester City questions for Saul. Do you want to drop any of those on him right now? Um, actually, they were for both of you guys. Before, before we get to that, Zach, I want to just pivot quickly. I okay. think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the um, Newcastle takeover um, as relates to Manchester City, right? So you guys are, when you think back historically, a lot of your biggest successes have happened in the last 10 years, right? Um, since the, yeah. the purchase and the takeover has happened, um, Newcastle are right now in the final throes of a um, Premier League sub- submittal to be taken over by, mm-hmm. um, by a Saudi Arabian group also. So um, I, I'm really kind of excited to hear your perspective on um, on what, what you would imagine or what would you expect if a Newcastle takeover were to happen, given that your team has experienced that in the past? I think most City fans would welcome it. We've been a pretty hated the last uh, decade or so. Uh, so if you guys get another, uh, I guess, super oil-rich team, uh, it would help a little bit, you know, try to get some of that uh, hate off of us. Maybe the transfer to the new guys up north. Uh, it's, but I will warn you, the, the hate comes and it comes often. Uh, whether it's, sometimes it's fair most of the time it might be fair but sometimes uh it's unfair you know and they start saying stuff like blood money and stuff like that it yeah. takes a toll on the fans yeah mm-hmm. i think it's uh, the, the, the if the success comes i think you can take a little bit of the hatred right it's uh it goes with the territory if you will if you start being successful then you have that kind of mark on your back that people are, are trying to kind of gun for you and, and get there and you know i think it's happening at a time where we have probably two, I'd say Liverpool and Manchester City, really well-established and really, really strong teams in the league that this, even if it went through, would, would probably take a considerable amount of time for us to, to be able to catch up in all, in all aspects of our clubs. Yeah, because I don't even think the takeover is not done yet, is it? It's not. We're still waiting anxiously. And, and you guys uh, have been linked to a tons of players. I've seen Coutinho. Coutinho, <laughs> Coutinho, Coutinho waiting, knocking on the door of, of the Newcastle City Hall, according to yeah. reports. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot of rumors, but nothing concrete yet. 
That's right. I actually, uh, I heard somebody refer to the game this weekend as the oil classico between Newcastle and Manchester City. I thought that's a yeah, clever, clever pun Chelsea. right there. But we, ours hasn't gone through yet. But um, winding the clock back, when the takeover happened for, for you specifically, was it something that tended that, that seemed like it dragged on? Or was it kind of like you woke up and the news was just like, oh my God, my club's been taken over by a super rich investor and, and I see the fortunes of my club changing overnight. Do you remember the, that, that takeover when it happened? A little bit. I remember that the, the previous owner had only come in like a year or two before and he sort of made his money and left. And that's when the Abu Dhabi group bought him and they started spending right away. And it kind of came like uh, six, five or six months of anticipation. And they just came in spending. I think their first signing was Robinho, but for a ridiculous sum. So if anything like that happens for Newcastle, I know you guys have one of the strongest fan bases in the league. So it would be welcome, I would guess, by the fans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Zach, I'm sure you'd echo that too. Without a doubt. Well, that's something interesting, kind of a, I guess you could say a dichotomy that I think has been drawn between Newcastle and Manchester City is when the Manchester City takeover happened, it, it was seemingly overnight. Um, and that's that's been a big differentiating point where, like, there's never been a takeover of a club that has gotten as much publicity day after day than what's currently going on at Newcastle. And yes, it's it's a matter of circumstance. We for three months had no football going on. So if there is anything for, for journalists to, to build on it, you know, they would and rightly so, but similar with Chelsea, when Abramovich took over, it was kind of, kind of quietly done behind closed doors. And so we are seeing, you know, a, a trans or a take a potential takeover at a level um, just purely from a, a press and publicity standpoint at a level that's never occurred before, but I, I would I would certainly welcome that hate as well if if we were able to perform um, at even a modicum of the quality that the Manchester City performs now year after year. Uh, kind of I, I guess like winding it back away from the trans or the takeover talk. So I just curious um, favorite Manchester City players of all time. Any any ones that you know Aguero is one of the greatest strikers in Premier League history company, I think is one of the greatest center backs in Premier League history. Any, anyone for you that stick out that might be a bit more under the radar for a casual Premier League fan? Uh, yeah, I think Yaya Torre was immense, immense for City. Uh, he really provided that anchor in midfield. I think that's when they won their first Prem. Uh, so he was an incredible player, maybe the best African player in the Premier League history, which is saying something. If you think of some of those players, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably Yaya Torre. Although Zeko is Eden Zeko is a bit of a cult favorite among City fans, yeah. uh, from all his goals and his uh, his wackiness, I guess you would say. Yeah, good player, good player. Scored some some important goals for City too. Yeah, yeah. I, I I did always like Jacko myself as well, and yeah, 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 Torre. Maybe maybe him Drogba would be in that conversation as well. Um, not sure who else he. Yeah, play. William Gaias maybe. Yeah. That, that's a great shout. Um, yeah, but yeah, Yaya Torre was really the talisman for that club for, for so long. And um, that, that's kind of what we're seeing right now with David Silva leaving, right? Is he's the final member of the old guard after company, after, um, after Yaya Torre. And, and uh, I feel like even uh, Kolarov, I kind of like thought of in a similar boat for, for a very long time. So yeah, it's interesting to see that change over. I want to challenge you yeah. there, Saul, on the um, the greatest oh, yeah. African player to ever play in the Premier League. You're forgetting okay, Modiame yeah. Mo for Newcastle <laughs> two seasons ago. 
No doubt. Absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. What, what, what an amazing player. Never, never, <laughs> never seen a player that could be more on or off his game on a 24-hour He's giving you 0% or 100%, Zach. You, don't, you just yeah, don't know from game to game. player. Murdoch is a great shout. Um, so you, you kind of mentioned this before, Saul, in terms of the Academy products that are coming up and those young starlets that might not be the, whatever, 60, 65 million pound man that you're seeing uh, – uh, City Splash of Cash on, who are some names that, again, a casual fan might not know as well that you, you and the rest of the City Faithful are, are really looking forward to seeing progress in the, in the coming years? Uh, I think Eric Garcia would be at the top of the list. Uh, he's played a little bit, but he's going to start playing a lot more. He's probably the starting center back for at least the next five years if they can keep him. Uh, but he came from Barcelona, and Barcelona have always produced pretty, pretty spectacular talents. Uh, I also think Tommy Doyle is a center mid. He's been pretty good in the League Cup and the FA Cup when he's been given the chance. Uh, and Jaden Braff, he hasn't played much. He's a, a young English or a young Holland uh, player, and he's a he's in the mold of Jaden Sancho, who uh, we know left City hurts a little bit still, but now he's worth 80 to 100 million. I don't know if City are going to pay to bring him back, but he's, Braff is in that similar mold, fasty wingy pacer or a winger, sorry. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'll have to look at, you know, to follow those players' progress as, as they kind of come up through the ranks. And as we do see this, you know, somewhat of a, of a change in the, the personnel that we've seen for so long on the field for Manchester City. Awesome. So um, before we get into um, some of the trivia I prepared for you guys, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't make a prediction for this weekend's game. What do you guys think? Absolutely. Um, yeah, Zach, Zach, I'm going to start with you, sir. Whew. So, uh, Saul, you obviously wouldn't know this, but I, I pride myself in being one of the more cynical Newcastle fans on the face <laughs> of the planet. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a co-creator of Denver's Newcastle Cynics group. Uh, but, um, yeah, this weekend, I think that, you know, great. We had a great performance against Sheffield United. We had an awful performance against Villa. Potentially picked up some knocks. Could see Matt Ritchie and Isaac Hayden both out of that match. So, it's going to be interesting to see the, the side that uh, Newcastle fields. I will say it'll be a closer game than, than what City has seen so far. I think that you know, we have one of the more difficult defenses to break down at home in the Premier League. But I think you know, that the quality does tell. Um, I, I'll go a 2-1 two, two City victory. And unfortunately, I think it's Kevin De Bruyne who will break our hearts in some spectacular fashion. All right, Saul, yeah. you want to give your 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 hot take on how City will fare this weekend? Yeah, uh, cynicism for you guys does seem to run uh, common up north in England there with your <laughs> eternal rivals, the Sunderland. Uh, I think City for Sunday, I think they're going to be angry, which is not good for Newcastle after the Chelsea <laughs> loss and pretty much gifting Liverpool the title. Uh, so I think they're going to come out roaring. They're going to come out fast. I think it's a pretty easy 3-0 win. Probably Jesus, Sterling and uh, Kevin De Bruyne. All right. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say that um, Newcastle did not do it in normal time, but it goes to extra time. One, one after extra time and Newcastle wraps it up five, four on penalties with a winning penalty coming from Mr. John Joe Shelby. John Joe Shelby. Yeah. We'll Leading goal scorer. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take that continuing to be city's boogeyman, but yeah, it should be an exciting match. I, I know that, 
the three of us can uh, reconnect throughout the match and, and see who who is closest with our prediction that comes Sunday. Yeah, Sounds that'll good. be fun. Newcastle is a, a fun, big team, so it should be a great match. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. It's uh, it's definitely the highlight of the rest of our season too. Now with with safety all but secured, we're we're putting a lot of stock in this game, and we'll be we'll be up for it as well as you can imagine. Yeah, and, and if you guys win, the the final's the goal, and you know it's why not? Why not? If you guys beat City, why not win the whole thing? Yeah, yeah. There's re- really no weak teams left in the tournament. It's uh, like occasionally yeah. you'll get like uh, you know. A, a championship team that will really continue to push through, but there's no championship teams left right now. Norwich is probably the weakest team left in it. And they took yeah. out Tottenham in the last round. So it's a, it's a strong feel left in the, in the quarterfinals. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap it up. I got five questions for you guys. Um, both of you can give answers to these. Um, I'd love to, to hear how you do. There's an element of Newcastle in there. There's an element of city in there. These are FA cup 2019, 2020 stats for you guys based on the tournament to date. So question number one, if you guys are ready. Sure. Yep, let's do it. All right. Which team has scored the highest number of goals in this season's FA Cup so far? And how many have they scored? Not to remember who's left. I think it'd be City. They they crushed the like a fourth or fifth division team in one of the first rounds. But didn't you beat somebody like eight nil or something? Yeah, and then they beat Port Vale five or four one. Okay. So I think it might be City. Yeah, I think it might go. Or do you want a player? I think I'll go with you there, Saul. Um, say I don't know how many matches. Maybe like is it five matches to get to the or three matches to get to the quarterfinals? Third round, fourth round, fifth round, now quarterfinals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll say that they have scored fifteen goals. Saul, what are you gonna go with? 12? 12. So both of you are close. Saul's closer. It's 11 goals is the maximum number of goals so far in the tournament. And it's Newcastle. Newcastle has scored the most goals in the tournament so far. Now, granted, Newcastle has needed two replays so far to get past (laughs) lower league opposition. So they've played probably double the amount of games that City have played. Um, But yes, Newcastle have officially scored the most goals in the FA Cup. And when the season was on hiatus, um, Newcastle fans were making a campaign that the team that scored the most goals in the FA Cup should be automatically awarded the FA Cup. That's uh, (laughs) why I thought Zach might get it. Obviously, you didn't catch that. That's good. I, I do remember that campaign. Unfortunately, a failed one. <laughs> All right. Question number two. In both making the quarterfinals, how many combined goals have the two Manchester clubs conceded in total? I'll say that again. So third, fourth, fifth rounds, Manchester United and Manchester City have progressed. How many combined goals have those two teams conceded in those three rounds? I think City only conceded against Port Vale. I think it's four or five. I'll go with five. I'll go, I'll go with three. So Saul knows his club. He's spot on. Um, City have only conceded one goal. Manchester United have yet to concede a goal in the FA oh, Cup wow. this season. So it's one, one goal total conceded against um, Port Vale. Consolation goal and a 4-1 four, four, yeah. victory for City. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Question for you, number three. In the last round, the fifth round of the cup, how many teams needed a replay to advance? Hmm. So there are 
there are eight teams left. Um, Newcastle's one of them who needed a replay. Uh, both three. So you got? Uh, two. Newcastle and somebody else. So trick question. Uh, the fifth round is the first round of the cup where they eliminate replays. Um, so if you guys remember, think back, Norwich actually beat Spurs 3-2 on penalties in the fifth round. Um, so moving forward, it will just be one-legged affairs with extra time and penalties. Cheeky, cheeky question. Okay. There you go. All right. Um, <laughs> this is a tough one. Number four, who is the current top scorer in this year's FA Cup? And how many goals has he scored? <laughs> Why are you giggling? I want, exactly? I want to say Shelby, but I don't know if that's right. Probably, maybe, but I think he only had like five goals for you guys in the league, so probably not. No, uh, it's not John Joe Shelby. I'll go with uh, Pookie, Timo Pookie. <laughs> it's a good game. I, I like that chat, Mickey Almiron. <laughs> so this one's a really tough one. Um, it's Harry McCurdy of Carlisle United, <laughs> who has scored five goals, but there's only one player close to him. And um, Zach, I'll probably give you the point here. Mickey Almiron has actually scored four goals mm-hmm. in the FA Cup. Um, how many goals have uh, Manchester City's top scorer or scorer scored? Would you say so? I think Aguero only has one. It might be Jesus. I go with Jesus. Maybe Aguero three. and Jesus both have two. Level on goals with Mr. Joe Linton in the FA Cup as well, Zach. Mm, there we go. Yeah. yeah. Three equally as equally as impressive strikers. Yep. All right. Final question for you guys. Three total players between Manchester City and Newcastle combined have two assists apiece in this season's FA Cup. I'll repeat that. Three players total uh, comprises City and Newcastle players have two assists in this season's FA Cup. Who are those three players? Hmm. I think St. Maximin has an assist. Uh, I think he has two assists. Okay. Not sure who else. Maybe for City, I don't know. I feel like you've played, you've played youth players quite a bit. Maybe Foden. You want to give a third uh, I shout think out I'd there? Go with... Zach, you got two there. So you said, I'll say Maximin Foden. Is there a third one that's on your mind? And then I'll kick it over to you, Saul. Oh, uh, I didn't realize I had to guess a third. Uh, say Maximin Foden, and um, let's go with. Let's go with Rodri. Okay. And Saul, you can repeat any of those players if you'd like or give your own three. I think we'll go we'll go with St. Maxim. He seems pretty confident on that one. I think Mara's <laughs> probably he's played, I think, every game. Maybe. I think Mara's is the other one. And then um, I'll throw Sterling on there. Okay. Zach, you uh, you win that round. So the only one that you got correct was Phil Foden. Phil yeah. Foden is the only City player with two. There's two Newcastle players who have contributed two assists. Would you like to take one more crack at it, Zach? No, you, you, can, you can roll it out. I'm going to keep getting it wrong. Christian Atsu <laughs> is one of them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the other one is Joe Linton. There it is. He's such a handy striker. <laughs> 40, 40 million pound man. <laughs> you should be very worried, Saul. He's done nothing in the Premier League, but he has lit it on fire in the FA Cup. So be, be scared yeah, for someday. 
your Twitter account complains about him a lot. I don't know who runs it, but <laughs> I saw that during one of the games this week. The entire fan base complains about him a lot, so I don't yeah. think it matters necessarily who runs the page. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Sure. Great. And those were good questions, Adam. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, big match coming up tomorrow. Uh, we will we'll see who progresses to uh, the round of four, the semifinals. And, yeah, again, Saul, thank you so much uh, for coming on the pod. Do you want to – if you want to do a quick plug for, for Bitter and Blue, uh, the, the platform is yours. Yeah. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, uh, at Bitter and Blue 1. Uh, and then – uh, you can follow my account at saw underscore 434. Uh, so, yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, I have a, I have a question for you guys. You guys don't mind. Yeah. Sure. What do you guys think about the goal franchise? I know I think it's a bit <laughs> divided among Newcastle fans. I'm Mexican-American, so we tend to love it, but I don't know about you guys. <laughs> uh, bring back, bring back Santiago Munez. That's every single <laughs> summer. Every single summer, somebody will – Newcastle Twitter will somebody will uh, post a picture of him and be like young young starlet coming out of Mexico City. This is a guy we got to be signing. Oh no, I love the goal franchise. The goal franchise is like the only reason the majority of people I think in America know who Newcastle are, unless you're like a serious Premier League fan. Yeah, I would say that I've I've only seen the first one, um, and I would say that uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, uh, the the main memory I have of that movie, um, and it always kind of sticks in my mind, is there's a scene, and I and I grew up in the UK, so also I'm like uh, I'm used to this legal drinking age of 18 over there. Right. Um, and he goes into the this pub, um, Santiago does, and he looks around and he says, "What's the legal drinking age here?" And somebody looks at him and goes. Pfft. 12 <laughs> and that's my burning memory of goal i don't remember a whole lot about like munez playing for newcastle i just remember laughing at that because uh it's, it's definitely pretty lax over there as far as drinking ages yeah i think the first one was pretty good the other two were lackluster but the first one was pretty good it's pretty popular in in mexico so a lot of people were talking about almiron and how he was very reminiscent of santiago munez when he made that transfer yeah. too <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man Awesome. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much, Saul, for coming on. And uh, I, I guess I can't wish you the best of luck come Sunday, but uh, best of luck for the remainder of the, the Champions League. And uh, yeah, enjoy the match. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, if thank you guys, if we don't win it, I would hope it'd be you guys. So a little consolation there. <laughs> Thanks, Saul. We'll be that. rooting for you guys if you make it through too. So it's, it's, it's great to have some good camaraderie amongst the, the folks over at SB Nation and uh, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks again for your time. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. Cheers. See you guys later. Bye. See you.